It's good to be here today. Good to see your smiling faces. Can you stand to your feet this morning? If you're online, um, we're gonna be giving at the end of service, but if you like to give now and participate uh, with your regular tithes and offerings, there's a number of ways to give that'll pop up on the screen online for you and in person. Um, how many of you are thankful for the house? We're more loyal to the vision than the visionary. God uses people and seasons, but I believe that God has a special anointing on this house for families, for youth, for wholeness and healing. And I just think there's such a uniqueness to what God does in this house, told through the stories of people that is beautiful. Um, I, first of all, wanna thank God for this house. Uh, I came here, um, like 11 years ago as a widower with uh, two children, one baby. And I came to church and sat in the dark and cried week after week and never thought I would come here actually be the pastor and get married to my beautiful wife. The founding pastor right here. But I'm not just preaching that God restores people's lives as a theory. Um, I'm preaching that God restores people's lives and families as a, 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 a victim of grace. And I'm the subject and the patient of grace, and God has done a great work. And I just want to give God one more hand clap of praise for my testimony, but you can praise him however you want to praise him. I want to believe for somebody today that God's brought you too far to leave you now. I want to believe for somebody today that God's got a, your best days or your next days. I want to believe for somebody that in this house there's enough anointing to break every yoke of doubt. I want to believe for somebody that there's more in you, that you came in here broken, that you came in here discouraged. But I want you to know, just sit it out, cry it out, pray it out. God's going to keep you through the storm. God's going to take you to where he needs you to go. I thank God for a house that's filled with anointing. I thank God for a house that is filled with grace. Thank God for his house. Uh, the Lord asked me the other day, hey, uh, would the church sell this building uh, if somebody offered you $50 million? I said, that sounds pretty interesting right there, Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. But I, I wrestle with that question because I, I need to know that answer. And I wouldn't sell this building for $100 million because I believe God put this piece of real estate for this season, designed the stucco on the walls so that families could come here and be delivered, healed, and set free. So we thank God. And I just want to share that as a conviction of like, I believe in this house. Uh, amen. I got it. Anybody else got a testimony in this house? God's done something for you. Come on, I know some of you, like, you got mad at the house and you left, but you know you had to come back home because you know the anointing's in the house, whether you liked it or not. Like, I'm leaving. Okay, I'll see you in six months. Some of you took six years, but you coming back, baby. Because <laughs> there's no place like home. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse number 22. If you're here for the first time, God bless you. At the end of the service, we're going to bring forth our heart for the house offering and, uh, 
Uh, we're going to make some declarations as well. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse number 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees. Then he put his hand on his eyes again. And he made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into town nor tell anyone. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody say it. You could be seated today. It's a good question as we come near to the, uh, the end of year 2022. Isn't that something right there? Going into 2023, it's a good question for you today. It's how clear are you on the vision that God's given you? How clear are you in your vision? Uh, the Bible says that where there is no vision, people perish. Literally, people die. Literally, businesses die. Literally, organizations die when there's no vision of what is to come. It also, there's another translation that says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraints, which means people do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it because they have no accountability to, to vision. I don't just want to know how clear you are in your vision, but how detailed are you in your vision? Because it's easy to say, yeah, I have a vision. I just want to reach souls. Like, when do you want to reach souls, though? And how do you want to reach souls? And how many souls do you want to reach? See, a fly has one big eye, but it has thousands of little eyes in the one big eye. So we all have a corporate vision in this house, but there's also many visions. Like what is the vision for your health? Like, I don't know, I just love tacos, it's so good. I love tacos. That's not a vision. What is the vision for your children? What is the vision for your finances? What is the vision for your faith? Like, how, how many people can you see yourself reaching this year? And you're like, I don't see it. Yeah, because you're going to be struggling with your own issues and dealing with yourself because you don't have a vision for somebody else. God wants to just stretch not only our vision, but our vision to be impactful to other people's visions. That's why the scripture said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, which means if you don't write it down, it's not a vision, it's a fantasy. Because everything internalized has to be externalized and put down and made plain. That he may run who reads it. Not everybody's going to read your visions, but the ones who run and buy in with it, they'll run with you. For the vision is yet for an appropriate time. Just because you see it doesn't mean you have to do it right at the time. Time is a very important factor in your vision. But at the end of it, it will speak. Your vision not only has to do with sight, but the words that God speaks over you. And it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Uh, I want to talk about this text and scripture of how God gives vision for the house. And I want you to write these points down. I just have three today. But number one, vision has to be trusted before it can be transferred. 
Vision has to be trusted before it can be transferred. The Bible says in Mark 8, 23, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eye, he laid his hands on him and asked him, can you see anything? I think it's important because this blind man, he's, he's in, uh, in this crowd. And as he's in the crowd, when he, he doesn't have the senses to see, other senses are heightened. So he hears really well, and he pays a lot of attention to what he hears because he can't depend on his sight. And so he's amongst the crowd. And it's a dangerous place to be when you don't have vision, when you hear everybody giving an opinion on what you should do with your life. Because everybody has wisdom, but not everybody has wisdom for your vision. Everybody has wisdom and knowledge, but not everybody has the knowledge that you need for the specific situation you're in. So what they'll do is they'll counsel you according to the experience of their vision, but that's not your vision. So they'll want to consult you on a vision that God didn't give you, and they'll confuse the vision that God's given you. And so you'll hear all these people, and you'll hear things like, you can't do that. Why would you think you can do that? And you'll start believing the crowd or you'll believe your own press because people say, you're all that. You should be doing this. Why aren't you doing that? And, and, and they'll use good things to get you off track. The, the key is they take the blind man and they pull him away from the crowd. If you want a clear vision, you got to clear space from some people and get alone with God to hear what that vision is for your life. Don't take everyone's vote and opinion on what God wants you to do. Get alone with God and do what God says to do. I love what Jesus does. He, he, before he gives them the vision, he gives them his hand. And he takes his hand and he begins to walk with him. Jesus will give you his hand before he gives you the vision. Because some people, they just want the vision, but they don't want the hand. They want what's in the hand of Jesus, but they don't want the hand of Jesus. They want the blessings. They want the prosperity. They want to feel good about their life. They want their next steps. They want all the sweet things of life from the hands of Jesus, but they don't want no sacrifice. They don't want no obedience. They don't want no cross. They don't want no death, burial, resurrection. Just give me fluffy stuff. Just give me nice stuff. They want what's in the hands of Jesus, but they don't want the scars that are in the hands of Jesus. They don't want the hands of Jesus. It's like, a vision is not to get you to get what you need from God so you can get going to do what you need to do. A vision is supposed to draw you closer to God and learn to be led by him. And some of you today, you might be saying, I don't really feel like I have a vision and I can't see in this season. Let me tell you, this is a part of the process, learning to not see and learning to trust God when you can't trace him and learning to hold on to his hand and, and let him walk you to wherever he wants to go and say, God, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what my life's going through, but hey, I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep showing up and doing what you've called me to do. Just don't let go of my hand, Jesus. Walk with me through this season of my life. So he's walking with him. And then Jesus does things that Jesus does, and he goes and he spits in the man's eyes. This is where most American Christians will now leave the church because they have been offended. 
I think this happened for two reasons. Number one, I think it happened because I think everybody needs tested in their maturity to, to be able to be trusted with the vision that God has for your life. And people these days, I mean, they get offended about everything. Everything. People get offended about, you know, the Bible talks about the last days, says there'll be earthquakes and there'll be rumors of wars and many people will be easily offended. I'm like, yes, Jesus, you are coming because these people get offended over everything. They get offended if we celebrate Christmas. They get offended if we don't celebrate Christmas. They get offended if we celebrate Halloween. They get offended if we have trunks or treats or we don't have it. Everybody gets offended about everything. Hey, I'm just trying to walk with Jesus, okay? They get offended about everything. So he spits in his eyes, and I think it's, it's a great tester because the Bible says this, um, that uh, he is given a grace or he's given the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints and for the maturing of the saints. And I just think that people want vision so bad that they keep asking God for equipment without maturity. They're like, give me the equipment so I can fulfill the vision. He's like, no, nah, that's not how it works. You don't just need equipment. You need maturity for the equipment that I'm about to give you. And then uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I have uh, four sons, the two-year-old. If I equip him with car keys, like here's your car keys, he's going to throw them down the sink. He's going to throw them outside. We're going to lose them and never find them again because he's equipped, but he's not mature enough to understand what he's equipped with. I have a four-year-old. He understands what car keys are. If I give him the car keys, he's now equipped with a little bit of maturity, but uh, he's going he's gonna to do a fake car. He's going to act like he's driving a fake car, and then eventually he's going to get bored in like two seconds. He's going to throw it at his brother's head. They're going to be a big, they're going to get into a big fight. We're going to try to break up. It's going to be crazy. He's fully equipped, but he's not fully mature. I have an 11-year-old. If I give that guy keys, this guy's a Fortnite champion. He'll figure out how to start that car, and he will drive it through the garage. He will destroy our house driving that car because he's equipped, but he's not mature. That's a dangerous place to be when you're just mature enough to get in trouble and hurt everybody around you. That, that's a dangerous place to be. Like, you're gifted, you're talented, you, you, you are mature, you're kind of ready, but don't Think you're ready because your maturity hasn't been tested yet. I got a 16-year-old too, and he always wants to drive. But I'm like, as soon as you pass that driving test, you can drive. I got a car for you, buddy. You've worked hard here. We got the keys, but you don't get to drive the car until you pass the test because I'm not going to give you equipment that hasn't been tested in maturity. And God is saying, hey, listen, I know you want a vision. It's more like a fantasy because you're not allowing me to mature you through seasons because you keep wanting the equipment, but you don't want the maturity to fulfill the vision that I'm giving you. So Jesus like spits in his face. The second reason I think he does this is uh, I, the, the same blood that is in the DNA of Jesus, same DNA is in the spit. And he's not just giving somebody their vision. He's giving somebody a vision that has his DNA in it. God doesn't just want to give you a vision 
for you to go live your selfish life and fulfill all your selfish pleasures. God wants to give you kingdom vision that when you start a business, it's not just for yourself, it's for the kingdom. When you raise a family, it's not just for yourself, it's for the kingdom. When you have a house, it's not just for yourself, it's for the kingdom. When you have a car, it's not just for yourself, it's for the kingdom. And he says, I want the DNA of heaven to be in your eyes and I want you to see differently than everybody else. He puts DNA in his eyes. I believe that God has put DNA on this house to see like the kingdom sees. So that's why we want to see families and youth. We want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We want to reach people. We want to see families reconciled, redeemed, coming together. We want to see people's hearts turned and life changed. We want to be an evangelistic community. We want to do a lot of things, but not just programs and not just trying to get ahead and not just trying to look like we're doing something. We want the DNA of heaven to be in the vision that God gives us. We want kingdom vision. We want to preach grace in this house. We, that, that's, that's our message. That's our assignment is the message of grace. The Bible says, Acts 20, 32, now I commit to you to God and the word of his grace. If there's one word over this house, there's a word of grace, a word of grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among the people. What does that mean? That the word of grace, when we preach it, you become more sons and daughters of God and live in the way empowered that God has called you to live. If you don't understand the grace of God, you'll walk around not as sons and daughters, but as employees and servants. If you don't understand what it means to be a son and daughter of God, you're going to want to work for God and become his employee, and you're going to want to accomplish and perform. But this is a house that releases the word of grace to set you free, to set you in truth, to, to, to uh, allow you to become who you are in Christ Jesus. Vision has to be trusted before it can be transferred. It has to be tested through maturity and seasons. When you go through your seasons in life, I hope that it's not just seasons, it's seasoning. And that when you get flipped in the fire, you become well done. Not crispy, not raw, killing us all, not burnt, but well done. Number two, vision is blurry before it's beautiful. He said in Mark chapter 8, verse 24, the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Jesus, the Lord of lords and king of kings who came to the earth, could have easily healed him the first time. He touches his eyes and he says, how are you seeing or what can you see? Jesus knows exactly what he's doing because he is not bypassing the process for the outcome. He's not trying to prove just how powerful he is. He's trying to develop something in him. And so many of us want to see it and have it rather than see it and become it. Some of us want to uh, bypass the process, but God is all about you going through the process because he's not just trying to get you to a thing. He's trying to get you to become who you're supposed to be, and that doesn't take events. That takes process. My wife and I, when we went to uh, uh, the coastal campus, we, we were there for five or six years, and um, 
it, it was a fun experience, and there was, uh, there's actually people here every week that I see that come from uh, that campus to come visit us, but um, I was there, and I, I was learning, and I was practicing and yelling at volunteers like, you got to be here on time, man. This is terrible. Show up. We got cookies and this is the kingdom of God. Show up. Anybody who's ever led anything like, you know what I'm talking about. You want people that are committed, people that say something, actually do it. And so uh, we, we'd be starting to be, get over here. You got to worship. There's new people. Act like you're happy. Hurry, <laughs> smile. Say amen when I preach so they know you, so they can feel like they say amen. Let's go. We got to do something, people. And I realized, like, as I said it more and more, like, we're out here building a church. We're sacrificing. We're building. And I realized, "Mm, probably not. I think God sent us there to help build something in us. I'm like, I'm building a church. Like, no, you're not. I'm building you because you're a little spoiled brat who doesn't know anything about people. So I'm going to send you there so I can break some things off of you and develop you. It's not just about the vision, but I want to make a visionary who is filled with the Holy Spirit, not with pride and selfishness. And I want to teach you as I build my church that it'll be a mirror of how I'm trying to build you. That's why I say to people, hey, be careful how you treat the church, uh, because if you don't treat his bride right, I know you ain't going to treat yours right. You're like, I'm tired of this church. I hope you don't treat your wife that way. The way people, your ministry becomes a mirror of your character. And so God said, you know what? I'm trying to, I'm trying to build some things in you. And there's going to be a lot of times, a lot of testing times that I'm going to develop some things in you. And I'm not going to show you everything at once. Because if I tell you everything and I show you everything, you're going to mess it up. So about 70% of your life, it's going to be blurry. And that's, that's like nice numbers. It's probably a little higher. But at least 70% of your life, you're not, you're not going to know what's, gonna, what's happening in your life. And your life is going to be lived off of uh, maybe. I don't know. Should I stay? Should I go? Do I take the job? Do I move? Should I stay at this job? Should I? Your whole life is not going to be filled with answers. Your whole life is going to be filled with questions. Your whole life is going to be like, man, I didn't see this one coming. God, I I played by the rules to accomplish some things in my life. And now, like, I thought if I did this, that this would happen. But I did this, and the opposite of what I thought would happen actually happened. I thought I could manipulate. That's that's the real word, just in case you didn't want to use it on yourself. I thought I could manipulate the system to get the outcomes I want and call it Jesus. But I've just kind of learned, like, man, things are mostly blurry in life. I don't know why people die so young. I don't know why some people succeed and why some people fail. I don't know, like, when people, give me a Bible verse. I'm just like, it's probably in there, but I don't know. They're like, once you're saved, are you always saved? Probably, but I wouldn't want to test it out. Like, I just want to make it to heaven, and I want to be righteous with God. 
Some of you are like, what? Are you insulting the Bible verse that I've, that I've stood upon? The doctrine that I've... Look it. I know it, there's a lot of clear things in Scripture. But there's some things that are a little blurry. Not for Jesus, for us. You're like, no, it's not. It's, it's actually super clear. I don't know, because when you tell me that scripture, you sound like a big jerk, and I think that's a little blurry, because I don't think God wanted you to be a big jerk telling me that scripture. I don't know, like when you're preaching at me, I feel a lot of pride, and I think that's a little blurry. I think blurry and uncertainty is a part of the human experience to teach us to trust God more deeply to trust him when we can't trace him, when we don't know things, when, when we, we don't know what's next. We learn to say, hey, I think I see men. The Bible said he, he thought he saw men, but they're like trees. And some were like nut trees and some were fruit trees and some were crazy trees. And he saw it, but he didn't really see it. Like, I think I'm supposed to marry her. I think I'm supposed to have, I think... And I want you to learn to live comfortably of like, maybe. You, actually, people kind of scare me when they're like, for sure. Like, this is what's going to happen. For sure. I will get married. When I'm 23 years old, we will be millionaires by the time we're 36 years old. We will have three kids, a picket fence, and a poodle. Like, maybe you might have a three-legged poodle. You might have thought you were going to have a poodle, but you didn't know the neighbor's dog hooked up with that poodle and it ended up like a chihuahua poodle. <laughs> Maybe. The same, place that, the same place that this blind man was at is the same place where there were thousands of people who were hungry, hangry. Like, what are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Even the disciples that were close to Jesus like, hey, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of pressure. And Jesus like, hey, just start breaking stuff. Give it out. He multiplies and he feeds them. And what becomes this beautiful picnic really was just a lot of blurry. It was 80% blurry, 20% beautiful. That's your life. That one moment where you're like, God spoke to me. 10% of the time. But a lot is going to be you trusting in God. It's blurry before it's beautiful. Jesus, the same place, walking on the water. Disciples like, man, I think it's a ghost. We're scared. What are we doing here? This is crazy. It's like, guys, it's me. We didn't recognize you because it was blurry before it was beautiful. And I don't want to condemn anyone here today, but I just kind of, by some life experience, have a feeling that when I said, how many of you have a vision? Some of you are like, yes, my New Year's resolutions and goals are all figured out. For the next five years. I wish I would have said that in 2019 and heard you guys and reminded you in 2021 that your plans were futile. Because it's blurry before it's, how are you doing in the blur? Does it make you anxious or fearful or scared? Does it make you more controlling? Does it make you want to run from your present situation? Or does it make you want to trust God deeper? And lean into where he's leading you and say, God, any way you can use me. I know it's going to be blurry, but I know it will be beautiful. That's 
what happened to this church. We've been leading for like almost three years now. And man, we were blind. Some of you, you guys weren't here, but whoa, that was crazy. We were blind, but we're like, God, take us by the hand. You want to do this? And so we walked with all kinds of faith. We, we, I get up here and preach like, man, we're, we're about to take over the world. I didn't know if we were about to take over anything, but I felt Jesus' hand on it. So I was like, I feel like we're about to take over the world. Then Jesus spit in my eyes. I was like, man, Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, what do you see? He's like, I don't know. I see about 60% of the people leaving right now. <laughs> kind of look like trees without roots, though. That's what, that's, that's what he said. He said, I saw trees walking. Oh, I thought trees were supposed to be planted, not walking. But anyway, that's, that's for another sermon on another day. We'll talk about that some other time. What do you see? Man, I see God wanting to heal families in such a beautiful way and heal hearts. I see youth. I see like this other generation, like God's going to use them in beautiful ways. And one day they're going to lead this ministry and this church and other locations. It's going to be amazing. It's blurry, but it's going to be beautiful. I see your child preaching and teaching and winning people. And it's a little blurry because they're smoking weed every week right now. I get it. But it's always blurry before it's beautiful. I see you ministering to married couples and sitting down with them and saying, look, at, I know there was a time that we wanted to give up. You know what that time is? I'm talking to the future right now. That's you right now. Like, I want to give up. Uh, I'm done. But God's going to raise you up and Three years from now, you're going to be prophesying to other broken marriages because it's blurry right now, but it's beautiful. Come on, how do you want to minister to somebody, but you've never been through anything? You're fighting in your marriage because you're being prepared for your ministry. Ooh, lie. How are you going to give the, how are you going to give the wisdom of heaven when you haven't experienced a little hell in your house? But you know how to plant yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to allow God to give me vision for my home. And it's not where it should be. It's not where I want it to be. But God's going to get it to where it needs to be. It's blurry before it's beautiful. I just feel like saying this is like some of you ladies have went through miscarriages. And that's like such a painful experience. And it's such a blurry season. And there's nothing that could ever replace that. But there is beauty after ashes. And there is something that God can do with that broken heart. Anybody ever lived in a blurry season? Can we just be honest for a second, even online? Is anybody in a blurry season where you're like, I don't even know how I came to church today, but I showed up and I don't, we sung for 25 minutes and you're talking to me and I don't know what I'm doing here. It's a little blurry. I saw like 10 people raise their hands like, come on, man. You came here because you love us and we love you. It's blurry, but it will be beautiful. It's blurry. I, I, I don't, I just don't have all the answers. And if you came to church for all the answers, like this is the wrong church. I was actually had a few questions for you. 
but man, this has a lot to do with, hey, Jesus, you, you want to trust us with your vision? You want to trust us with your vision? I'm going to trust you through every season of my life. I kind of see it, but it's kind of blurry. I kind of see like you guys becoming life group leaders and you guys winning souls and passionate about what God's about to do in this house. It's a little blurry because I only see you every other week, but I think it's going to be beautiful. Let me close with this. Number three, vision has a second chance when it gets a second touch. Vision has a second chance when it gets a second touch. The Bible said, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored. That's what DNA does. It restores, it rebuilds. That's why we need Jesus in our vision to restore and to, to rebuild and to repair things in our life. And he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village, be on your way home. I love this because when God gives clarity, then he gives clear direction. A lot of people, they try to make decisions for clarity and they cause more confusion. I just don't know, so I'm just going to try things and, and see what sticks and see what feels good and see what works. And that's just a recipe for a lot of confusion in your life. You got to wait on the vision. You got to wait on what God's doing in you. But when he gives him, he touches him again and his eyes are clear. And when he's clear now, when he's been through a process, then God gives him precise direction. Hey, don't go to the village, go home. But I can't tell you clear direction till I give you a clear vision. The Bible, one of our, our mission statements, not one, our mission statement was birthed from this scripture in Malachi 4, 5 through 7. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children the hearts of children to their fathers. This is a house that is going to learn a lot about the grace and sonship of God. For 400 years of silence, after, this is the, the last book in the Old Testament, and for 400 years we don't hear anything else. The dark ages. Some of you couldn't wait 40 minutes if God told you something. Like, where are you, God? thought you're going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. 400 years. Because God is eternal. Even if he doesn't do it in you, he could do it through your children. He could do it through another generation. And we're just a part of the big picture of God's eternal plan. And so we're happy to just be a part. Let me play a part, God. If you want to tell me and do it through somebody else, do that thing. Because you have the wisdom of eternity. I have temporal wisdom. That's, that's the foundation of our mission statement, Malachi. But 400 years later, in the New Testament, in the gospel, 
it shows up and the first things that are said is in Luke 1.17. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. We're doing the same thing, but with a second touch. Anybody ever need a second chance at life? But you got more wisdom because you went through the first thing. You got wiser and smart. We're doing, we're still doing the mission, but God's doing it in a new way. And God's going to express it in a new and more powerful way. And it's closer than we think. 400 years, I, I got the word. And then God says, I'm going to fulfill the word. If God gives you the vision, he'll fulfill the vision. If God gives you the word, he'll fulfill the word. Legalism says, God, give me the word so I can go do it. But trust and grace says, God, give me the word so uh, I can play a part in what you're about to do. 400 years. And there's a second touch. And it's clear, like, oh, God, this, this, is, this is what you're still doing, the same thing. But we have a greater understanding because we're in a different place. And I feel like this church is, I feel like some of you leaders, some of you uh, have, have realized this house has withstood the maturity test. We don't want to be a hype house. We want to be a, a house of maturity. And we're saying, God, you did it then. But I think you're going to do something even more beautiful in a greater way than we ever could imagine. I think you're about to, I, I, some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to keep doing the same thing. No, no, but it's in a totally different way. It's like the upgraded version of what God's going to do in this house. And we get to play a part in the heart of God. Somebody here needs a second touch. A second touch for your life. You're like, I'm blurry. I don't know what's next. But God's like, look it. Look it. Heart revolution, your greater, your best days are ahead of you. There are more families to be reached. There are young people to be loved back to life. There are ministries to be birthed out of this house. There are souls to save. There, 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 there's evangelism. There's, there, there's, there's ministries in here that God wants to birth through you. Do we have a prison ministry? I don't know. Are you going to lead it? I want to, I, I, feel, I feel this in my heart. Then let's do something. This ain't a one-man show. This is the body of Christ. This is the body. This is not just the house of a visionary. This is a house that houses visionaries, which means God has given you a vision. And we can house, we're not intimidated by your vision. We're like, let that thing prosper. Let that seed of your vision be planted in the soil of this house and flourish however God wants you to flourish. I want men and women to be free, free from hurts, free from all these habits. Um, come on, I'm, I'm doing some celebrate recovery now. Uh, free from some hangups in your life. Come on, I know it. I, I mean, I just believe that there's families who walked in here broken, but in the next two or three months, you, you're going to come and like, thank God. 
Thank God that he led me to this place. Thank God that he showed me his grace. Thank God. People that are coming in here one way, I, I, at the service before, I, I met two people, and he's like, hey, I want you to meet someone. He used to be, uh, what do you call the, the top guy in prison? The shot caller. He, he used to be the shot caller for me, so he discipled me in the prison 20 years ago. And I was like, that's cool. And you guys just randomly came to church together now. God, 20 years ago, imagine the shot caller and the, whatever you call the disciples, the disciple guy. He's like, he taught me all the ways in the prison. And we come to church together now. We showed up in this house and God brought us back together. You know how many people have been divorced in this house? Came back together. You know how many people have been divorced in this house? Broken, thought they'd never have another relationship and God, and God opened doors and blessed. I just believe there's an anointing in this house for families. And some of you are like, man, quit preaching about families. Why? Because you're a part of one and God's going to give you one and you're, and you're going to experience the grace of what God does through families. You're like, I don't know. I'm just, I'd rather just be alone for the rest of my life. It's blurry before it's beautiful. But one day you're going to be like, ooh, well, I might make an exception with that one. I want us to, I want to tell you uh, the focus of this coming year. And if you have cards or if you need a card, I want you guys to write some, something down. You can just raise your hand or you can grab one. Uh, and I also want you to prepare your, your offering and your uh, heart for the house uh, envelope because what we want to do uh, is come into agreement for 2023 that God is going to do something special through this house and we're going to be a part of it. I remember... Um, I remember when I first took over, I would call, uh, call my mother-in-law, call my mom. I was like, hey, I need you to give $1. Just give $1. Just show me you believe in me. Because I was like, I don't think anyone believes in me. Just show me. Just by what? Put your money where your mouth. Give me $1 to show you believe in me. And they're like, what is wrong with this guy? Just one. Just, just believe me a dollar. I'll multiply it. Just believe in me a dollar. But I think I've grown from there to say, hey, I, I need you to believe in you this year. I need you to believe in what God's gonna do in you this year. And I, and, I, and I also believe like, hey, why don't we believe in this house and the future of this house? We're sitting in seats that we didn't build. Somebody else's seed paid for you to be there today. I'm preaching on platforms I didn't build. Someone else's seed prepared this platform. We're sitting in somebody else's dream right now. But we're not going to stop dreaming. We're going to dream for the next generation. We're going to make more spaces for the next generation. And we're going to start planting seeds so the future generations can receive harvest. Come on, I got one right there. Let's go. I got two. Let's go. The word for the year that I feel uh, that we're going to go to in 2023 is one. One. And I want to ask you this question if you just write it down. And you can write this on uh, your phone or your personal paper because um, one, what is the if this were the last year that you were to, to live what's the one thing that you want to focus on this year Paul said this one thing I do and then he named four different things but he would have never accomplished the four things unless he focused on the one thing what's the one thing this year 
that you wanna focus on? And maybe you don't have the answer, so write that question down. What's the one thing? My health or fo- uh, my family, finance, what's that one thing? If this was the last year, not to give everybody anxiety today, I, I, sometimes I'm a little bit morbid, I, I see through the filter of death, so, um, but what's the one thing? The one thing, if this was the last year you were to live, what, what's the one thing? I want my family to know I love them. The one thing, what's the one thing? Number two, what's the one thing you wanna do better in, in your life this coming year? The Bible says, better is one day in his courts than a thousand anywhere else. And I feel like sometimes we think the thousand is the more. And I just wanna tell you, sometimes the simple is the sacred. And if we focus on like, hey, what's some things I need to actually get rid of in my life to get better in my life? What's the one area I wanna get better? I wanna get a six pack. That's not carnal, okay? That's the Holy Spirit speaking. I, I, want, I, I wanna focus on my health. I, I wanna get better in, treat, in, in, in friendships. I wanna get better in ministry. I wanna get better in loving people well. I wanna get better as a human. I wanna get better in this area. What's the one area you wanna get better? Those are really individually focused. So let me do this, this last one and we might have to pray about this one. But who's the one person, the one person that you wanna reach for Jesus this year? Who's the one person that you're gonna say, I'm going to bring them to Jesus? This is God's evangelism plan. Not the great suggestion, but the great commission to win souls and make disciples. And sometimes I think we do this passive Christianity thing because we're like, God's got it. And we think like, hey, I'm gonna pray for this person. And what God's Christmas plan is this year is he's gonna send the host of angels. They're gonna go caroling outside of their house and an angel's going to appear at their bedside. First of all, that's super creepy and God should not do that because if that happened, I would be so scared. Tell me you wouldn't be scared. You're like, no, send an angel to my bed. You're like, is it you, Lucifer? Who are you? What kind of angel are you? How do I test your spirit? You know what God's plan to reach people are? You! Somebody said, what is God's plan for human suffering? Other human sufferers. You're the plan. Even though an angel showing up in a room, that's cool. But you know what else is cool? You showing up to have coffee with somebody and minister into their heart. That's really cool as well. And a lot less creepy. God says, I have a plan. And I want you, I want you to think about it. Even if we had to pray about this right now, like, God, who do you want me to reach? Bible says that Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. The one. And I think he did that to show the 99 how important the one is. Jesus would often go through crowds and he'd find the one. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Go deep with people, not just wide. Don't just be hype. Like be, 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 be a people's people. Let God use you by looking in somebody's eyes. And maybe we won't see the Instagram post of how big your ministry is. Maybe you won't get human validation, but heaven's validation is way better, way better. Human validation is very temporal. The likes will go away and you'll, 
It'll make you hungry for more. But heaven's validation, hey, this is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Who's the one person? Let's just ask God, like, God, who's the one person? I know there might be more, but like, who's the one person that you're gonna use me to reach this year? Who's the one person? As we sing and pray, I want you, if you have those written down and you have your offering prepared, whatever your amount of seed is, I'd like everyone to participate, even if it's like a dollar or whatever it is. If you don't have money, like we'll find you some money to, to participate in the envelope. You can give online. Um, it's really, really not about raising money. It's about raising faith and raising disciples. And we want you to participate. Just like I told my mom, just so $1, $1. Just say you're going to believe in the future with us. But I want us, as I pray, I'm going to ask that you come forward. And if you didn't have a card, I want you to write the one name. We're going to give this to our intercessory team. And we're going to be praying and believing for you that God's going to use you to reach the one. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we sow today, as we believe for people, as we believe that this is a house of grace, that you're gonna use mightily to restore families, to raise up youth, to, to multiply gifts, to resource churches, to, to become other locations that impact communities. God, uh, we just pray today at every seed sown in this house will be multiplied and useful. God, we pray over every soul. We bring our faith in agreement for more souls. We bring faith in agreement for what you're going to do in this next season. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare your word does not return void. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for what you will do. In the mighty name of Jesus.